today we're going to talk about the danger of religion. The danger of the long-term corrosive, poisonous effects of man-made rules, man-made regulations, man-made requirements that are disconnected from a daily, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the distinguishing thing, okay? So, as soon as you have religion and it's disconnected with a daily walk, abiding, being controlled and filled with Jesus and His Spirit, there's danger there, real danger. I recently sat next to some folks at a restaurant uh, and two couples, they were talking. I didn't have to lean over. They were talking loud enough for me to hear them. So just be aware of that when you're talking uh, in, in a restaurant. Uh, they were talking about their church, and that's why I was interested. Uh, and one woman asked, can I ask you a personal question? And the other woman said, yeah. She said, do, do any of your children go to church now? And uh, she said, all of my children are all raised in church, and none of them want anything to do with church. And the other woman said, no, no, none of my kids do, and none of my grandchildren have anything to do with church, know nothing about church. Um, then the man said something that I nearly stood up, and, and anyway, I didn't. But he said, I was schooled in parochial school. We'll just leave it generic there. And he says, I went to church every day and on Sunday and that made me an atheist by the time I was 14. I, I would argue he was seeing man-made rules, regulations, all, all sorts of man-made requirements made me an atheist by the time I was 14. Why? Because <laughs> in religion, man-made, there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no love, there's no Jesus in any man-made religion. You understand that, right? The idea is work harder, earn it, get busy, follow the rules. Usually don't ask questions, be devoted to the traditions and the regulations, and maybe, just maybe, you'll gain entrance to eternal life. Let me give you a little definition. Religion is man's attempt at earning God's approval. Religion is, is man's attempt at being good enough, at doing enough nice, good, moral, religious things to gain God's approval. Be nice, be moral, be religious, and maybe someday the great scale in the sky, you'll weigh out just a smidge more good than bad. And surely then St. Peter will have to let you into the gates of heaven, right? Surely. According to George Barna, Christian pollster, a large majority of Americans believe that lie. That, that's frightening to me. That might be the most dangerous lie that Americans believe, that if I'm just a little more good than I am bad, then then. St. Peter's going to let me in the pearly gates, right? Because I was a little bit better 
than I was bad. Just a smidge, just made it barely squeaked in, but surely he'll let me in the pearly gates. What I've discovered is if we force man-made rules, regulations, man-made traditions, and, and there's no presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, if we cram religion down children's throats, that's a great way to produce atheists and agnostics. And as the census takers say, uh, religious preference, uh, none. It's a great way of producing N-O-N-E's. This morning we're going to look at a man who was at the top of his class in morality. If there was anybody who was like on the honor roll, straight A's, and being good and nice and moral and religious, this guy was the religious valedictorian. And what's interesting we're going to see in this encounter he has with Jesus that he was really uh, great at being good and moral and nice and religious, and yet he was still headed for judgment in Hades, which is really shocking almost, because this guy was really, really good. Locate with me on your phone, Pastor Brent. Locate with me in your Bible. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. We're going to look at a man named Nick as he searches out an encounter with Jesus Christ. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read all the way down to the end uh, of, of this encounter, at least uh, most of it. And if you're able, we're going to stand for a bit here. Would you stand with me? We're going to read John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 19 an encounter Nick had at night with Jesus Christ. Ready? Here we go. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven 
except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Let's pray. Lord, we confess I can, that's a convicting passage. Wow. Thanks for recording it for us. Getting it down inspired by John exactly as you intended. Thank you for preserving it all these years. And Lord, thank you that we get to study it together even right now. Help us, Lord, to dig in well. Help us to understand what exactly Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. And Lord, uh, more important, I pray that you'll make us able to make the jump from Nicodemus to 2018. Would you show us how this encounter applies to us? Lord, would you make it clear what you have to say to us corporately as your church? Lord, make yourself clear what this means personally to each of us individually. Speak, Lord. We're listening. We worship you in song, and it was good to celebrate your son as we sang. But it's good now as we worship your son and study his book. Meet us today in your church. We invite your Holy Spirit to be welcomed here. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. If anyone could effort their way into God's kingdom, it was Nicodemus. If anyone could earn their way into eternal life, it was Nicodemus. Let's look at uh, what the passage says about him. Verse 1 tells us that Nicodemus was first a Pharisee. We uh, use that word a lot, but I'm telling you, in this time, it meant good things to Jews. It was like, wow, those guys are intense. Those guys are the elite. They are a select group, never more than 6,000 men, who devoted their entire lives. They, they took a solemn vow, promises before witnesses, they would devote their entire lives to obeying and living out the Ten Commandments. You say, well, there's just ten. No, they defined and spelled out in great detail 
how you live out the Ten Commandments. Matter of fact, they wrote books, the Mishnah, the Talmud, on how exactly you would apply the Ten Commandments to your everyday life. For example, a farmer was allowed to tether his animal on a rope during the week, but then on the Sabbath, you could not tie a knot because it's possible you would be working and tying a knot like you do all week long. You might be tying a knot to tie up your animals. Therefore, no knot tying on the Sabbath. That's a part of the Mishnah. The scribe said spitting on the ground is prohibited on the Sabbath. The ground. Because you could theoretically, by spitting, make some mortar. So you could not spit on the ground, but it was acceptable to spit on a rock. Because you could not make mortar by spitting on a rock. So on the Sabbath, you had to take careful aim. Or you would be violating the law. The Pharisees considered themselves superior because of their complete and total dedication to God's law. Now look back at verse 1. He was not only a Pharisee, which was wow, but he was also a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. In all of Israel, there are only 71 members of the Sanhedrin. So, he was the elite of the elite, the 71 scribes, elders, and high priests formed the ruling council. Uh, they were empowered to preserve and protect the Old Testament law. Tracking? That was their job. And they were the final supreme court, if you will, regarding Jewish law. Any questions? And now we can't settle it, it goes to the Sanhedrin. They will rule on the issue. This guy, Nicodemus, was about as religious and law-abiding man as ever walked on earth. He, he, he was the elite of the elite. He, he was dedicated fully to obeying and living out the Ten Commandments so he could earn his right to be in right relationship with Jehovah God. Tracking, he, he was sure that if he totally devoted himself to obeying God's law as very best he knew how, he could earn right relationship with Jehovah God. Verse 2, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Why did Nick come at night? Why did Nick come at night? Well, it's, it seems likely that as one of the leading teachers in Israel, a devoted Pharisee, a member of the ruling council, um, he could take some hits if he was seen rubbing shoulders and appearing chummy with Jesus. So it seems pretty clear that he didn't want everybody to know that he thought Jesus was something special and that he was actually asking questions and gaining information from this very controversial 
Jesus. Notice Nicodemus, verse 2, respectfully calls Jesus teacher. So you have a great teacher going to Jesus and saying, Teacher, we know that you are rabbi, that means teacher. We know you're a teacher. He knew that Jesus was a teacher from God. Look what it says, verse 2. Because God's stamp of approval was clearly on him, because Jesus was doing miraculous signs and miracles that only could have been done from God Almighty. Clearly, this Jesus, the teacher, was God's man, and he knew that. God's stamp of approval. Jehovah was using this teacher in his mind. Nicodemus comes to Jesus searching in the dark of night for answers from Jesus. And I believe that you and I are still invited to come even in the dark of night and search for answers, even 2018, from Jesus. He still invites us to come and search and find. And today we find best right here in God's Word. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, and this is stronger than it is in English, it was like, Listen closely, big guy. I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Nobody can be a part of the kingdom unless you're born again. I'm going to say it again. This was a fully committed all-in Pharisee, devoted to the law, devoted to the oral traditions, he believed would gain him admittance into God's kingdom. Now, surely, this man, one of the 71 elite keepers of the law, surely this man, a devoted Pharisee, in all of his hard work, all of his efforts would qualify him and approve him for eternal life, right? I mean, if anybody is going to be in, it should be this guy, right? Jesus says to this religious heavyweight, are you ready? Here's what he just said. Nobody gets into God's kingdom unless you're born again. Nobody. Saying, Nick, not even you. I'm sorry. A new birth is essential for entrance into God's kingdom. Something new Something radical has to occur in your life that's from God above. Otherwise, you can't get in. Nick needed to personally experience the king. Track with me now. Nick, what he's saying is, I, I know you're, you're devoted and, and you're meticulous and you're devoted to the law, but you can't be born again unless you come to know the king personally. And then, by knowing the king personally, you then can be a part of the kingdom, be born again. Now, verse 4, <laughs> uh, Nicodemus is confused. I think he's perplexed. He's thinking, what? What are you talking about? And he even says, uh, hey, hey, Jesus, in case you didn't catch this, I'm a grown man. <laughs> And he seems to be saying, I'm old, I've got gray hair, uh, 
I think he might have even been saying, Mom's gone. My mother is dead. How on earth could I re-enter my mother's womb and have her born me a second time? I don't understand how that's possible. Uh, what are you talking about, Jesus? Verse 5. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Again, Jesus is answering a very, how can a man be born when he's old? That's the question that's being asked. And, and to enter and see the kingdom of God, Jesus says, requires water by, and birth by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you need to be born of water, and then you need to be born of the Spirit. Now, some debate over what does water mean, okay? And uh, some of you might have got into this verse and said, well, I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Let me, let me give you the two major ideas. Uh, some say water here, born of water and the Spirit, it means being born physically. The bag of waters that we all have breaks just before the baby is born. That's what Jesus, you have to be born physically first, Nick. Uh, just as, slide down, verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, uh, then you must also be born of the Spirit. So that's what many, and I'm telling you it's about split evenly. Others say, no, Jesus is talking about baptism here. He, he's talking about the outward sign that I was going in the wrong direction and now I've done the U-turn and now I'm telling everyone publicly as I get baptized, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love King Jesus. If you press me, I guess I'd, I think it's probably this, the latter. Now, now, many in our traditions have said, no, th then, he, then he's saying that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. No, I, I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think he's saying baptism represents repentance. And when you get baptized, it's not getting dunked in Walloon Lake that changes anything. It's the outward sign that you're telling everybody, hey, I used to go that direction, but now I'm following Jesus. I've repented, and now I'm following King Jesus. It's an outward sign I'm in great need. I need the king in my life. I need King Jesus, and baptism signifies and means that. Having said that, I understand what the other side is saying. I'll, I'll let you wrestle with that one uh, yourself. Again, Jesus is saying, unless you're born, unless the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life until the Holy Spirit is full and alive in you, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, Nick. You can't get into the kingdom by being religious and moral and law-abiding. I think it goes further. I think Jesus is saying, hey, Nick, you're in danger. I'm going to have Matthew write this verse down in chapter 7 and verse 23. And unless something changes, Nick, this is going to apply to you. I, I may look at you one day and say, man, you're religious and moral and nice and good and devoted in every way, but I never knew you. 
you were never born again. You never had a relationship with me, the king. Nick, wake up. Otherwise, I'll have to stay away from me, you evildoer. Because if you don't know me and you haven't been born again, then that's just man-made religion and that's just poisonous and ugly. Jesus continues beating this home with Nicodemus. Let's just look at it. Uh, chapter 3, verse 7. He, he keeps on going, you should not be surprised at my saying. What is he saying? Hey, Nick, you must be born again. He just keeps pressing. you got to be born again. Nick, what, what, the way you're headed right now, I, you know it's not enough. Verse 8, he, he doesn't let up. He, he goes at him again. Uh, verse 8, um, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Yeah. And now Nick, is, is, I think his head is spinning. His entire life, he's devoted to obeying and meticulously uh, obeying every law, all of the Mishnah and the Talmud. How can this be, Nick asks? How did I miss this? In verse 10, Jesus is pretty hard. You're Israel's teacher? <laughs> I'm a little surprised myself, Nick. You're one of the great teachers and you don't know about the new covenant? I... I, I I know you're perplexed and don't know, how could I miss it? I'm not sure how you missed it. Nicodemus, uh, you missed the promises in Ezekiel 36, the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, even Genesis 12, a new birth, a new beginning, a new life is coming, the Old Testament promised. And Nick, you missed it. You're surprised, you're perplexed. Nicodemus is the poster child, I would argue, of the danger of devoting our lives to the law, to being good, to being nice, moral, to religion, and I'm sure that that will result in eternal life. I'll, I'll be okay with God. I'll, I'll get entrance into the kingdom. He's the poster child for that thinking. Let me list out four quick dangers of trusting in our good works. Four quick dangers of depending on religion to be enough to enter into God's kingdom. Ready? Here we go. First, our, be our best efforts to be good and nice and moral are not enough. The very best that you... If we all voted and figured out who's the nicest, best, most moral person here, you fall short in your own efforts. And Nicodemus fell short. How do you know that? Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and fall short of what? God's glory. The best, even Nicodemus. Sorry, Nick, your best was not enough. You fell short. Second danger in religion, doing it yourself uh, Self-man-made rules and regulations will just wear you out. It'll just make you tired and ornery, and, and you're always doing, and you're always unsure, did I do enough? Was I good enough? Did, did, did I, and, and 
it'll just in exhibit A of this is Nicodemus. He's perplexed. He's confused. You want exhibit B? Uh, go to Matthew chapter 19. There's this guy named the rich young ruler. And man, he was a lot like Nicodemus. Everyone said, wow, what a great guy. Went away sad. Wasn't willing to come into relationship with the king. Third danger of uh, trusting in our good works and efforts, we miss out on the abundant life and full life of knowing Jesus. Give me your eyes. This is huge. And allowing Jesus to live in us and through us. Because that's where religion turns into relationship. And, and rules suddenly now come and, and I have the power of Christ in me, the hope of glory. You understand? It, it's, it's, it's night and day different. And we miss out on the best part of being a follower of Jesus if you don't know Christ and you're just trying to be religious and nice and rules and traditions. Uh, here's what Jesus said, John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have life and that they might have it abundantly. Doesn't that sound good? Don't you want abundant, overflowing life in you daily? It's ne you never run short. Why? Because as soon as you run out of gas, what do you do? You run back to Jesus and you get filled up one more time. You miss out on the best part of being a follower. And finally, this, this might be the most dangerous part. Um, when you're all about rules and self-effort and I'm going to do it myself, you pass that on to the next generation. You pass that on to your children and then you pass it on to your grandchildren and then the Ten Commandments said when we pass on bad stuff, it goes to the third and the fourth generation. We, uh, we sadly... Rule-oriented, lifeless, tradition, regular. It's a breeding ground to have children who are atheists and agnostics and nuns. Why? Because they didn't see any Jesus alive in you. They just saw rules, traditions, regulations. I close this morning with a quote from Ravi Zacharias. Summarizes John 3. Well, I think this, this is worth writing down, y'all. This might be the, the, the price of admittance might be right here, right? Here we go. Jesus didn't come to earth to make bad people good. Instead, Jesus came to earth to make dead people alive. And that's a huge difference. It really is. I'm telling you, Jesus didn't come to make bad people, good. Otherwise, people like Nicodemus, like the rich young ruler, they're okay. They don't need saving because they're already good, nice people. But here is the truth. Everyone who's ever born, even the nicest, the most moral, religious, Nicodemus-type people are dead spiritually. That's what Jesus, and you've got to be born again. You need new life. You need Jesus Christ front and center. And how do we get that new life in Jesus, you ask? It's a really good question. A few verses later, slide down to verse 16. 
Would you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do it one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, would you take this amazing encounter and drive it home in us, even right now? Speak. Nudge, prompt, convict. We're listening. Here's the critical question. Is it possible you've been trusting in being good and nice and moral and religious to get you into the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of God? Surely if I can, if I can just be a little bit nicer, a little bit more moral and good than I am bad, surely that's going to be enough, right? I believe Nicodemus was likely better at being religious, a more gifted rule keeper, a moral savant, if you will, than any of us here today. And Jesus says very clearly, sorry, Nick, you must be born again. possible that uh, you thought just being being good, self-effort, going to try really hard, it's going to be enough. And maybe you're here today and you're just frustrated and worn out, maybe about to chuck this religious thing. I would plead with you right now, it's not about religion. It's not about our attempts at doing good and getting God's approval. It's just the opposite. It's admitting, I can't do it on my own, and I need to accept what Jesus accomplished for me. Jesus did the work. Jesus took our place on the cross. Jesus shed his blood for our great sin problem. Jesus took our place in the tomb. Early Sunday morning, Jesus literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead. He did that for whosoever will. So that's the question. Will you? Will you accept that by faith? Jesus, I, I believe. I can't earn it. I can't merit it. No matter how hard I try, no matter how many rules I obey, Eternal life, abundant life only comes through a relationship with the King, and the King of the kingdom has a name, Jesus Christ.
Jesus, I believe. Took my place on the cross, shed your blood for my great sin problem, took my place in the tomb, arose from the dead early Sunday morning. You did that for me. And right now, Jesus, I receive you as Savior and Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Don't be shocked. Don't, don't have the Lord look at you on judgment day and said, I never, I never knew you. You never had a relationship with me. You never said yes to me. You, you never invited me to be your Savior and Lord and King. You did a lot of stuff, but I never knew you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this amazing conversation. Thank you for offering eternal life, new life, abundant life through your son, Jesus. His sinless life, his sacrificial death, his shed blood that takes care of our sin problem, taking our place, arising from the... Thank you for the king who's willing to come and set up his kingdom in our lives. We invite you to do that right now today. And help us, Lord, all week long to continue and to invite the king to take charge in the kingdom of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things.